Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio News. Petr Pavel says Ukraine should be allowed to join NATO as soon as the war ends. The Speaker of the Czech Lower House plans to visit Taiwan next month, and ex-Prime Minister Petr Nechas has been found guilty of perjury. Czech President-elect Petr Pavel says Ukraine should be allowed to join NATO as soon as Russia's war on the country ends. In an interview for the BBC published on Wednesday, the retired NATO general said that Ukraine should be morally and practically ready to join the alliance once the conflict is over. Regarding Western military support to Ukraine, Mr Pavel said that there ought to be almost no limits on what countries could send to the Kiev government. He said he didn't regard sending Western fighter planes such as F-16s as taboo, but was uncertain they could be delivered soon enough to be of benefit to Ukraine. Mr Pavel will be inaugurated as Czech president on the 9th of March. The Speaker of the Czech Lower House, Marketa Pekarova Adamova, plans to visit Taiwan at the end of March. The top 09 party leader will be accompanied by a delegation of entrepreneurs and others, her spokesperson said on Wednesday. The Speaker of the Senate, Miloš Vistorčil, visited Taiwan in 2020, sparking protests from China. Earlier this week, the Beijing government were also critical of a phone call made by Czech President-elect Petr Pavel to Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen. The police say they've shelved the case of a threatening letter sent to the wife of Andrei Babish during his presidential campaign. Mr Babish said at a news conference a week before the second round of the elections that his spouse, Monica, had also received a live bullet with the letter. However, the police said on Wednesday that it had not contained a live bullet. The case was halted in view of the death of the suspected sender who took his own life. Czechia continues to have Europe's lowest rate of unemployment, according to fresh data published by the international agency Eurostat. The country's jobless rate fell from 2.6% in November to 2.3% in December. The seasonally adjusted rate of unemployment in the EU as a whole was 6.1% in the last month of 2022. Former Czech Prime Minister Petr Nečas has received a suspended sentence and a fine of 100,000 crowns, for providing false testimony in court to the benefit of his wife, Jana. The verdict may be appealed. Mr. Nechas denies any wrongdoing in the case, which centres on misuse of the military intelligence service. He says that he asked his then chief of staff, his now wife, to engage intelligence agents out of fears for his safety. However, an earlier court ruled that she had acted independently and wanted to use information obtained for personal gain. The 2022 edition of Czech Press Photo has been won by freelance photographer Wojciech Darvik Matza for an image entitled Massacre at Bucha. It's one of a series of photographs that he took at Bucha and Iprin in Ukraine, where Russia carried out atrocities during its ongoing war against the country. 6,000 works by 234 photographers were considered by an international jury in the 28th edition of the competition. And finally, a look at the weather forecast. It should be mainly overcast in Czechia on Thursday with an average high temperature of 4 degrees Celsius. Temperatures are expected to fall at the weekend. My name is Ian Willoughby and that is the end of the news. You are listening to Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio. I'm Daniela Lazarová. 
Coming up in today's program, the Brno Philharmonic will be touring the United States. We'll look at what's in store for music lovers. How many beer-loving chicks will sign up for dry February? And in our new series about where Czechia is helping abroad, we'll go to Bosnia and Herzegovina. Stay with us. The Brno Philharmonic is embarking on a 10-day tour of the United States. The orchestra, which last performed in North America nearly 50 years ago, will play seven concerts at different locations. The tour will kick off with a performance of Philip Glass Symphony No. 12 called Lodger in Carnegie Hall in New York City. Ruth Frankova discussed the details with the Philharmonic's managing director, Maria Kucherova. Performed this symphony already on the festival Prague Spring in 21, and also at the Brno Festival Moravian Autumn. And we also recorded this symphony for our own label, which was nominated for the International Classical Music Awards. So we are very glad that we can bring this symphony to New York because it's going to be the New York premiere. And we very much hope that this performance will be let in the presence of the composer himself. Can you also tell us a little bit more about the soloists who will feature in that performance? So the symphony was written for the large orchestra, really 90 musicians, but uh, mainly for the solo vocal musician, Angelique Kijo. Angelique Kijo is a world-famous singer of uh, so-called world music, a few Grammy Awards winner and uh, star of the Benin uh, music based in Europe. And this symphony was written for her, so she is the main cast in this piece, but also a big part is for the solo organist, which is a German famous organist, Christian Schmidt. And of course, the whole performance will be led by our chief conductor and artistic director, Maestro Dennis Russell Davis. Philip Glass is not the only contemporary U.S. composer to take part in your tour. Uh, You will also be joined by Laurie Anderson to perform her composition uh, called Amelia, uh, inspired by the story of the first woman to fly across the ocean. So can you tell us a little bit more about this particular event. Yes, so uh, Laurie Anderson's piece, Amelia, we are also very familiar with. They introduced this uh, piece in Brno years ago with a huge success. And the American performance is very special for us because Amelia Earhart was born only 50 kilometers from Kansas City when we are going to play this piece. So it is very much the local story and we are very happy that the organizers chosen this piece with Laurie Anderson, of course, that legendary New York musician and performer. I would like also add that we are performing a third American living composer, William Bolcom, who lives very close to the famous university in Arbor, Michigan, and we play his humoresque uh, there in his presence. So what else will be on the program apart from this U.S. contemporary music? Of course, a part of this American contemporary music, they are bringing Czech music or even Brno music. They are bringing three different Dvořák symphonies, six, eight and nine ones. And then a huge portion of Jana Czech piece, especially Symphonieta and the Glagolitic Mess and Taras Bulba. And the third famous Czech composer they are bringing is Boleslav Martinu, his Thunderbolt and his Symphonieta La Joya which we are going to perform again in California because it was written there for one part of one city in California. 
As you have already mentioned, you are bringing 90 musicians to the United States. How difficult was it to organize such an event? It is a top game in the managing work and the organizing and all the logistics. It's nothing more complex than the American tour because of the really huge number of musicians and, of course, a lot of flights, not only the intercontinental, but also three continental flights, accommodation, the cargo for the instruments, hiring the other instruments and some musicians in U.S. on spot. So there are a lot of complications and I'm really glad for my colleague who is taking care of all of this. And of course, our American partners, which is the Sheldon Artist Agency, who is taking care of all of that. Finally, the Brno Philharmonic uh, last performed in the United States 50 years ago. Is it true that one of your violinists actually took part in that tour? And how does he feel about uh, going back to the U.S.? That violinist joined us in 77, just on the start of his orchestra career. And of course, it's for him very emotional. He even found a huge file of uh, reviews and pictures and uh, schedules and so on of this very old <laughs> tour. And now he can compare. So I'm really glad to see him and his reactions. And I'm very much looking forward to that. In the United Kingdom and United States, people attempt a month without drinking alcohol under the banner of Dry January. But in Czechia, February is the nationally recognized month for abstaining. Suche Unor is now in its 11th year, and this time it's being held under the slogan, Not drinking is an art. Anna Fodor reports. Suche Unor launched in Czechia in 2013, the same year that Dry January launched in the UK, and has only increased in popularity since then. Last year, 13.5% of the adult population in Czechia participated in the event, and according to a survey, more than half of those who participated were still drinking less than previously even four months later. And some continue their abstinence even longer. Honza is 30 and hasn't drunk alcohol in the last five years, despite having a drinking problem as early as high school. He describes how even a month without alcohol motivated him to continue. Every time I felt like drinking, I looked at the app I had on my phone and I saw how many hours, days and weeks I hadn't drunk and that was a kind of motivation for me to keep going. The worst was the first three days, then it was a week and after a month it already felt like a shame to stop. This year's slogan is meant to inspire people to do something creative with the time when they would have been drinking, says Peter Freiman of the non-profit organization behind the campaign. With the slogan, not drinking is an art, we want to encourage people to substitute their drinking with something creative, something that will allow them to get to know themselves and discover their limits. It could be any form of creative activity, be it painting or riding a bike or anything else. The awareness campaign is intended to help reduce excessive alcohol consumption, something fairly commonplace in Czechia, one of the countries with the highest per capita alcohol consumption in the world. According to the National Monitoring Center for Drugs and Addiction, more than a million people in Czechia are on the verge of what they term risky or problematic drinking. 
Peter Freiman says that the figures have shown for a long time that Czechia is one of the countries where people drink the most. If we take data from the World Health Organization, we have long been ranked among the top three global consumers. Some 14 litres of pure alcohol are consumed per person per year in this country, which is an enormous number, and that's after deducting tourist consumption. Although some criticise Dry February as preaching to the choir and having no effect on the long-term reduction of alcohol consumption, Freiman says the positive feedback he and his organisation have received are enough to convince him that the campaign is worthwhile. We have tens of hundreds of stories from people telling us how it helped them, how it made them become aware of the relationship to alcohol, how in some way or another they started to do things differently. This is, of course, something that confirms to us that the campaign is necessary and that it makes sense to people. Reminder that you're with Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio, where we're now inviting you to hear the first part of a brand new series. Bosnia and Herzegovina is one of the six countries which the Czech Ministry of Foreign Affairs is currently focusing on in its development cooperation program. Due to its linguistic and cultural proximity, Czechia has been developing close partnerships there since the 1990s and has been supporting Bosnia and Herzegovina in its preparations for EU accession. Anna Fodor reports. The partnership between the Czech Republic and Bosnia and Herzegovina began during the War of 1992-1995, which erupted as a result of the collapse and breakup of the socialist multi-ethnic state of Yugoslavia. At that time, Prague provided humanitarian aid to the region of southeastern Europe, says Stepan Šantruček, the Czech consul in Sarajevo. At first, it was just individual charitable activities during the war. In fact, the delivery of humanitarian aid to Bosnia and Herzegovina was one of the first activities carried out by the humanitarian organization People in Need, at that time outside the official framework of foreign development cooperation. Then, in the second half of the 1990s, immediately after the end of the war in 1995 and onwards throughout the early 2000s, Bosnia and Herzegovina was included as one of the priorities for foreign development cooperation. Bosnia and Herzegovina has a total population of 3.3 million and with a net annual national income of 5,160 US dollars per capita is considered an upper-middle-income country. It ranked 74th in the Human Development Index in 2021. Almost 16% of its population lives below the poverty line. This is one of the reasons that Bosnia and Herzegovina numbers among the priority countries for Czechia's development cooperation. But what does this mean concretely? In the village of Teslic, which is located almost 150 kilometers northwest of Sarajevo, a water treatment plant that is over 50 years old is being reconstructed and expanded with Czech help. Milan Milicevic is the mayor of Teslic. Through implementation of this project, the municipality of Teslic will gain a safe and high-quality water supply for the next 15 years. Uh, 50 years. Uh, 
Uh, sufficient amount of drinking water will be provided for a total of uh, 30,000 inhabitants of municipality, which uh, represents about 75% of the total population of our municipality. The project will uh, create conditions for supplying drinking water to neighboring municipalities, which will give the project region, uh, regional uh, importance. Milicevic further explains that work on the system is conducted bilaterally. The construction work is carried out by a local company, while the Brno company, Arco Technology, is responsible for the technological side. The expansion, which is due to finish this year, is largely financed by the Czech Development Agency, says Milicevic. The total value of the project is uh, 4.2 million euros, of which the Czech Development Agency provided uh, 2.7 million euros uh, and the rest uh, was uh, provided by the municipality of Teslic uh, through a loan from the European Investment Bank. The mayor considers the bilateral project to be the most important of the projects currently being implemented in the area. Preparations for it began in 2014 with a feasibility study and Milicevic expects continued cooperation even after the end of the project, for example, in the area of water quality controls. Another development project also focusing on quality controls is a project focusing on food safety. Since 2012, the Central Institute for Supervising and Testing in Agriculture in Prague has participated in it as a partner organization of the Czech Development Agency. The Institute's international cooperation is coordinated by Petr Vaculík. One of the main goals is to reduce the consumption of fertilizers and pesticides in order to move towards sustainable agriculture. So not only to reduce the consumption of pesticides and fertilizers, but also to ensure that those fertilizers and pesticides are used properly, that only those that are registered are used, and that the registration actually took place according to the EU common procedure. Alignment with EU regulations plays a big role in development cooperation because Bosnia and Herzegovina has held candidate status for EU membership since the end of last year. Therefore, legislation must be amended accordingly. Another project that Petr Vatsulik is currently working on also focuses on this. The second project is completely focused on wine. We are trying to create a new wine and viticulture law that will be fully in line with the EU. We are also creating a vineyard register which will be the same or similar to the one we have in the Czech Republic. This means that all winemakers, wine growers and wine merchants will be registered and will file an annual statement. This will ensure the traceability of the grapes in the wines so we can know exactly which bottle contains which grapes of which varieties from which region. Vatsulik admits that enforcing new laws is always a politically sensitive matter. Due to the Dayton Agreement, which ended the Bosnian War in 1995, the organizational structure of the state is quite complicated. The country is divided into two federal entities, the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the Republic of Srpska. 
Working with institutions is a bit complicated in Bosnia as they do not have a centralized Ministry of Agriculture. Its function is partially substituted by the Ministry of Foreign Trade, which partially deals with things such as phytosanitary issues, but the greater part is precisely at the level of entities, so we cooperate both at the state level and at the entity level. Both claim the field of agriculture is their domain, Fatsulik says, and as a result, implementation is not always easy. However, since uniform legislation is important, both for the country's population and for companies, as well as for the country's anticipated entry into the EU, Bilateral projects have this goal in mind. Through its development cooperation in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the Czech Republic also helps achieve other sustainability goals. According to Consul Stepan Šanturček, these include climate protection measures. Climate change mitigation is one of the fundamental principles underpinning all of our development cooperation projects, not only in Bosnia and Herzegovina, but also elsewhere. We look at all the projects we cooperate on from the point of view of whether they contribute to mitigating the effects of climate change. We also have projects that directly respond to climate change, for example in the field of energy, where most projects are focused on renewable energy sources. Here in Bosnia and Herzegovina specifically, these might be, for example, the heating systems of public buildings, such as schools, kindergartens, hospitals and so on, where we're trying to get them to switch from fossil fuels to renewable energy sources. Typically, this is biomass, but in some parts of the country, there is also potential for the use of geothermal energy. This is an example of how development projects are adapted to local conditions on the ground. Šantruček emphasizes that the guiding principle of the Czech Ministry of Foreign Affairs is that ideas should not be dreamt up in a meeting room in Prague, but rather exchanged and discussed with Bosnian institutions, who can provide a better idea of their needs. This is also how Petr Vatsulik likes to operate. Our advantage is that we at least partially understand their mentality. That means that we try to approach development from the angle of cooperation rather than telling them what to do. We give them a number of options to choose from, but we say that in the end it is up to them how they implement it, because they are the ones who live there. They have to set it up themselves. We try not to be too directive like some Western countries are, but rather to give them recommendations in the form of how we would do it. We try to treat them like partners, and I think that this is something that will help quite a lot in the future as well. This approach is very much appreciated by their partners in the country, says Vatsulik. He believes that Czech experts have made a good name for the Czech Republic in Bosnia and Herzegovina thanks to their many years of cooperation. Consul Šantruček emphasizes that this is also due to the reliability of Czech donors. We don't have the exact figures yet, but as an estimate for 2022, through various programs, either through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or through the Ministry of the Interior, the Czech Republic invested approximately 3.7 to 3.8 million euros in development projects in Bosnia and Herzegovina. 
Compared to other donors here in the country, like Sweden, Switzerland and the US, our contribution is lower. However, if we compare the Czech Republic with other countries of similar size, our contribution is clearly the largest. So we're definitely visible, and we managed to do a lot of good work with the money we have. This is confirmed by Milan Milicevic, mayor of the town of Teslic. This cooperation is extremely important because it provides us with significant financial resources for the realization of our strategic priorities and also brings us new experiences and knowledge that are transferred within the framework of development cooperation. The Czech Republic really has a lot to be proud of in the field of water management. And these experiences are valuable to us. Realize uh, the projects uh, represent uh, examples of good practice, and we share with uh, that we shared with uh, colleagues from other cities in Bosnia and Herzegovina. That report on Czech development cooperation in Bosnia and Herzegovina was prepared by Anna Fodor and Daniela Honigman. Next week, once again on Wednesday, we'll be heading for Ethiopia. So remember to join us then. And that report has brought us to the end of today's programme from Prague. You'll find us at radio.cz. Should you like to contact us, then please write to english at radio.cz. We'll be glad to hear from you. And remember, you can follow Radio Prague on Facebook and Twitter as well. This is Daniela Lazarova saying thanks for listening and take care.